0: Here we go, where are all my friends? Episode five, Adam Elmakias. I am really hype on this one. Adam is an extremely accomplished photographer and also overall, all around great human being. Um, We became very close, we both lived in San Diego and I got to know him as a person so much more than just his work. And I really do love the person he is, so I was extremely excited to sit down and tell his story tell you a little bit about him if you don't know his work he's worked with god some crazy artists he's done some crazy shit he's worked with diplo major laser lindsey sterling data remember all time low he's shot a ton of festivals he is a sigma lens ambassador as well as think tank bags like he is damn accomplished He has made his own publication called A Music Photography Magazine, where he's collected a bunch of different photographers and featured their work in this beautiful magazine. Um, God, he's done so much. At the beginning of the episode, we talk about an exhibit that he's featured in as well called Contact High which is like a whole history of hip-hop through film photography and it shows like the contact sheets of the images that weren't selected and then like the the iconic images that were selected and there's like biggie with the crown and like mac miller's hands on the keys and like outcast album covers and mf doom and like it it's at the Annenberg photography space and we joke about like me not knowing how big it's going to be. And sure enough, we get there and I was like, oh, holy fuck, this is like a huge deal. Like Anderson Pack played and like all these photographers are there it Was this incredible thing. So to paint you a picture, he is an extremely accomplished photographer. In addition to that, though, he just has a really cool story and he's a really cool person. Like he views like like his outlook on life is really fucking cool he grew up uh in some turmoil like he dealt with a lot of shit um in the early days and he talks in detail about it like depression and just like it got dark and just hearing how he overcomes that and hearing how that all ties into his story and It's really, to me, it's pretty inspiring. I also, I love our dynamic and the banter. Like he's very direct in the way that he talks and like, it's just this fun story, like this back and forth. And I I tried to get as much like gems and knowledge out of him. We also talk about like what he's doing now, like in addition to all of the photography and all that, like he's actually an incredible Magic the Gathering player. And like, he's gone on to like, just do all these cool, unique things in his life. So. I just think he has a really great story and he's just a really dope person so kind of feel like I'm rambling but I, I really wanted to preface just how cool all of this is and how it all ties together so I hope that paints you a picture as always if you like the episode share it on social media that is the most helpful thing just a screenshot of the episode tag us whatever in whatever way you want to share it I don't care tell your friends anything it helps a lot I'm at Andrew underscore FTW. He is at El Matthias, E-L-M-A-K-I-A-S. There you go. Let's get into this episode. I'm really excited that you're here. It's rare that I get you in LA, so I'm stoked that you're just here. That's dope. Uh, We're going to a really cool event tonight, which I'm stoked on. Oh, I'm
1: excited too. Tell me about that. All right. So tonight we're going to this gallery, which is kind of cool. It's at the Annenberg space. So if you're hearing this, actually, it'll probably still be open by the time this is out. It's out like it's out for like, until like August or something. And it's a history of hip hop through photographs. And most of the people's photos were taken the year I was born or from like when I was still in school. And then all the way up to, I think mine is one of the most recent with the exception of, I think there's XXX and Mac Miller, which are more recent than mine. And those two photographers are under 30 as well. But um, yeah, we're at the end cusp of the age limit.
0: Yeah. like For the most part, you've got some like OG legends in this exhibit.
1: Yeah. I wish I knew more about photography, but the to give you an idea of how OG they are, every other person in this exhibit shot film. <laughs> Damn, really? Except for me.
0: Wait, even the other two young dudes shot yeah. those on film? They shoot film. What the fuck? You're literally the only digital shot in this whole gallery. Yeah, because the
1: concept is like your shot and then your contact sheet. So I don't know if it's supposed to be public that I didn't shoot film because I had to make a fake contact sheet, but I don't think they made it look like film. I think they just said, here's other digital shots. <laughs> I also think mine is probably one of the only live photographs. Everybody else's is like a portrait.
0: Oh, wow. So, That's kind of fucking cool that you like got into
1: that then. Yeah, like, I don't know how she found me. So it's, it's curated by this lady named Vicky Toback, and it's based off her book she made called Contact High, and it consists of like the book's sick. I've yet to get mine because I got left out of the loop there, but, uh, she's a busy woman and, uh, but I'm very grateful and it's, it covers a really like, yeah, since the beginning of hip hop, basically, um, the start of it. So the seven, this is like 79, I think it was in,
0: um, New York. That's so sick. I, I just, I love stuff like that because it feels like projects like that feel more like a legacy than just like going out on tour and shooting like something like, you know, Oh cool. Here's a tour. Like it's like, when you're in a gallery, and exhibit like that, it's like, damn, like this is history. Like it yeah, it's makes got it, some weight to it. Yeah. Right. Like it feels more than like, it feels substantial.
1: It, well, it legitimizes the movement. Like it puts it down in stone and it sets like a, I don't know. It says, here's what happened. It's just is like, it's like a history book she
0: made. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's dope. And I'm so excited to like for myself because I've kind of heard you like explain it to me and I know a little bit about it. And you like hip hop. Oh, dude, I love it. But like and to I, go yeah. tonight, I'm excited. I intentionally don't want to know too much about it. So like we can roll up there and I'll just be like, What the fuck, dude? I, I have the feeling that it's gonna be even more legit than I think, and then I'm gonna like look at you tonight and be like, Whoa. Yeah, it's gonna be sweet. I'm excited too. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what brings you to LA and I'm very stoked. That's a very good reason for you to be here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's take it back. What was, tell me like middle school, high school, like what do you like? Yeah, I guess, um, I guess like I'm super,
1: I was a problem child my whole life, according to my mom, like one of the worst kids, but not like I was a bad person, just like super attached to my mom, a lot of tantrums, like almost like the kid on the flight you didn't want on your flight. Wow. Um, I like had issues with basic things like reading, writing. I basically had special classes for everything. No shit. Yeah. Starting so at
0: what, like what? Starting school, in man? uh
1: second or third grade. Whoa. Well, I had a problem with writing cause I was like learning. I remember learning, I was learning Hebrew and English mm-hmm. and I never really learned Hebrew, but I got confused at a lot of things. I remember trying to convince my teacher in kindergarten that I could see air. Like I remember like. Just like a weird kid. I had a lot of issues with, I don't know, late potty training, like going yeah. to school and not doing my homework and being loud in class and going to the office. Just like misbehaving across the board was just like my general thing. Uh, I had a lot of like my friend, my best, my best friend from uh, third to fifth grade was a girl with Down syndrome. Whoa. Her name is Chelsea. Actually, sixth grade, we were friends too. But then there was like a rumor out that I liked her and I got really embarrassed and we stopped being friends. Mm. And then, um, but yeah, she was like one of my best friends when I was younger. And then I had like some guy friends that I played soccer with. And yeah, and um, I'm kind of just scattering all around. I don't really, you gotta no, have no, no, to no. guide me more. <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking go, man.
0: No, like I just, I'm like, I'm very interested in just like that. Like that's, I didn't know that you like were such like the problem child with all of that. So like, yeah, take me to like, Take me to middle school. Take me to like, cause I know that you found music, like you, you found music at a certain age and that was a big piece of you wanting to get into photography, right? You found yeah. music and then wanted to start shooting it.
1: Well, I wanted to be in a band, but oh, okay. I didn't do anything like anything. Like I didn't do stuff. Like the only thing I think I ever did consistently so that I could get good at was I played a
0: lot of video games. Really? Like a ton of video games. So that like, that came before any type of like music or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I started. So I actually remember like, oh God. Yeah, so I remember the only music I listened to up until like fifth grade was Doug Kotler. Who that? Jewish uh, kid songs. <laughs> and uh, Sync, with Backstreet Boys. Solid lineup. Yeah, I started listening to NSYNC Backstreet Boys like when Never Millennium came out. Like, or no, that was two thousand one, earlier than that. Yeah. Like in third grade or something, or fourth grade. I remember coming back from a Jewish overnight camp and getting it was a like camp camp interlock, and I came back and my dad had got me like a new boombox, painted one of my walls blue, and got me NSYNC, and I was so stoked because I remember like talking to kids in third grade about music they listened to. I was like Doug Kotler, and they're like, <laughs> "Who is that?" Uh-huh. And um, yeah. And then I started listening to, like, I was friends with this dude named Craig. And Craig uh, was one of my, he was older than me, but he got me into, like, you know, like entry level music for us. Like, we started with Linkin Park. Yes. uh, System of a Down. Yeah. Eminem uh, D 12. Mm-hmm. Like those were like really who we listened to in like sixth and seventh grade mm-hmm. when Kazaa was around or LimeWire, we could download stuff. And then it kind of went for like radio rock from there from Wisconsin, radio rock huge. Yeah. And then from there it progressed more depending like when I started dating girls, then, mm-hmm. um, when I started dating, when I started dating, um, <laughs> <laughs> I stopped, not dating, judge, stopped man. dating dogs and yeah. started dating girls. No. Uh, um, uh, this girl got me into like brand new and taking back Sunday, and then Craig got into them. Then we started listening to those, and that's how I started getting into music. And then I was like, "Oh, this is pretty cool!" And I became like full on. That's like kid. That's yeah. like where you like clicked. That's where it, I was in high school. Yeah, I started listening to that kind of music. Started wearing tight pants, girl pants. Started wearing bracelets, long hair just plugs in your ears. You yeah. Know, like you just like stuff. got fully into like that yeah, scene, f- that community found something to belong to. I mean, my friends all did it. Like we went from baggy pants We were baggy pants, skater dudes. I didn't skate, but it looked like one. Mm-hmm. And then it went into tight pants.
0: So like by that time, like were you, was that kind of like the first time that you found something that like felt like a real hobby or like something to you, like more than just school? My well, you said you had video games
1: used to like to draw video games. And then I just dealt with like, honestly, like just getting through a day was hard enough for me. I started getting medicated when I was in like third grade for depression and anxiety. My parents got divorced when I was in sixth grade. Jesus. And so like, so like I was kind of like a mishmash of all this, Or sixth or seventh grade. So like it was just a struggle to get through school and day stuff and I was supposed to be studying for bar mitzvah so that was a big thing but it was just like all this stuff like nothing I didn't have any hobbies I didn't have anything I did built with Legos I watched television a lot I watched a lot of movies or yeah television free stuff and um yeah I played video games I had a I didn't have video games for a while we got like a super nintendo or playstation 2 we got like systems like five years after they're out we never got them new yeah same yeah so like it was too expensive for us and then i would go to my friend's house yeah and they would let me play their video games or i would just watch them play video games for hours because i just didn't have it
0: so when did you start shooting started shooting
1: in high school some of my friends were in local bands Mm -hmm. and that's when like Madison, Wisconsin had like three smaller clubs we used to go to these shows at and then my friends started being the promoters for like a lot of local metal band, like touring metal bands and I started going to these shows and having friends that would go to shows and uh, I started shooting them because I had a camera from yearbook class and eventually like the promoters were like, hey, if you take pictures of these, you can come in for free, we'll post them on our MySpace. I was like, sweet. MySpace was just coming up and I was like, cool. So it got me in for free because I didn't have much money And I remember like a big like, oh shit moment was like I had some day jobs and I worked at this movie theater. It was Sundance. It was Robert Redford's movie theater. And I remember trying to get off for it and being trying to get off from work and being like, well, I'm going to go to this photo shoot. Can I have off work? And they were like, sure. And I remember my boss was like this like not the very nicest lady, but I didn't realize it. I wasn't conscious enough to really recognize that she, you know, at that point you think they're older than me. They're correct. You know, you don't, you don't think that there is authority, you know, it's like, okay, what they say is right. It's like how you think of your teachers or your parents. So this was the first time where I was like, wow, I think she's just wrong. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you shouldn't go do that. You're not going to make that much money. I was like, $200 is like, I don't know. I'm thinking like $10 an hour or whatever or less. I was like 20 hours of work. That's like two weeks of work. I'm making way more money than this, like, and I just put it in my pocket. Yeah. So I just started doing photo shoots for like bands, and they would pay me like fifty, or like forty-five, or fifty, or a hundred dollars, and I would go to Milwaukee and Chicago, and that's kind of how I started doing it. So I do live shoots and then photo shoots with people I met. So
0: what was your first tour?
1: Um, what quantify? What, what I have like I kind of have like two first tours. Give me both. Okay, so I had one tour where I was like in. I still need to ask my old manager. I had a manager. I was in Buffalo, New York, and uh, I went out with this band called Just Surrender. They're on tour with All Time Low. I drove with them from Buffalo to Wisconsin, which is like five tour dates in between, like Ohio, Ohio, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, that kind of got me home. But it, I think that he just, like, forced me into their van. Like, I don't think they wanted me. huh. And I didn't even know, like at that point, like I didn't like lifestyle photos or live photos as much. Mm-hmm. I did like live photos a little bit. So like I would go on tour and I wouldn't shoot anything except for a little bit of a live show. And if they wanted to do a press shoot, I would do that because that's all I knew. Oh. And I was a really big advocate for like photography was a not an emotional thing for me. It was a no emotional connection to it. It was transactional. So I would take the photos because I wanted to make the photos, but I didn't like want certain moments or anything like i just didn't like i thought having emotion attached to it was really stupid Wow! and um so i just did those things and then i would just do nothing i don't know what i did like i'm trying to think back i have no memory of like what it was like to tour with me like what did i do during the day on those tours i have no idea just sit around and then so i did that with them went back to wisconsin then my first tour was with a band called four Letter Lie. We still work... Kevin's now in a Day to Remember with I work with heavily and Derek I see sometimes because he's like more of a rapper now. He lives in LA. His name goes by Mod Sun but he was a drummer. The other three guys do other things. Wait a minute. Yeah.
0: Four Letter Lie Yeah. From was... Minneapolis. From Minneapolis. Yes. Had Kevin from Day to Remember Yes. And Mod Sun in it? Yes. Derek... Derek... Well,
1: I think he changed his name to Dylan. Dylan... I don't know what to call him. Uh, Derek, I'm sorry if you ever hear this. I don't mean to offend you or say the wrong thing. Goes by Modzone now. But he was the drummer. He's a really good drummer. Because he was also in Scary Kids, Scaring Kids. He was in Scary Kids, Scaring Kids after, for their last, like, three tours.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, so Four Letter Lie was more of his band than Scary Kids.
1: Yes, and he was also in another band from Minneapolis called, um, what's the one that Pat Brown was in?
0: Oh, damn it. The
1: Semester. Oh. The one he was in before he was in the other one, but so the semester, I think. Scream Derek, it loud. Yeah, before that, I think it was some, the semester Derek was in.
0: Holy shit, that's crazy. That's a piece of history that I did not know. Yeah, so Midwest would, stuff. So you I, toured with them.
1: Yeah, so like before I toured with them, I had met up with them a few times. They'd come to Wisconsin, and I would actually skip school, and we just drive around Madison for the day before they play their show and do promo shoots. Like we did one in a park by my school, did some stuff downtown, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, I went on tour with them, and it was like, I think the best word to describe us on that tour was we are just like a bunch of degenerates. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, like we would. Yeah, I mean it's funny, right? Like first touring, it's like kind of like your first getting away from home, and like you, you, it's it feels like just like this constant party almost, right?
1: Yeah, I learned how sheltered I was on that tour. Yeah, I learned how much I didn't understand the world. And, yeah, uh, like how you see existed.
0: all these other things, and you're like, wait a minute.
1: Yeah. You're everything
0: to- i know isn't everything
1: yeah it's kind of crazy i learned a lot and that's when i was like all right like i think my first tour it was 30 days full u.s we started in wisconsin i actually took a greyhound from wisconsin to minneapolis and i got there really early i went it was an overnight greyhound I remember hitting a brian their singer we went and saw cloverfield that morning at the mall <laughs> and then we went shopping before we left and uh i learned like a lot of not good techniques from him. i'm sorry i don't support stealing or anything but we used to go to stores and like switch tags to other clothing so we could get it for cheaper or we would just straight up steal yeah um like i think that tour like derek stole a whole pack of slim jims so like for a while we had like like a whole pack of slim jims, we had like hundreds of slim jims in the car <laughs> we would go to some places and like just steal shelves of food because we just didn't have money that we, just yeah
0: yeah like that just feels like just typical teenage bullshit like yeah, you're was, just yeah doing was dumb shit okay yeah. so at what point, like, you you kind of, like, when MySpace was, like, really popping off, like, you quickly built a name for yourself. Like, before people had Instagram profiles and any of that, there was, like... Instagram didn't exist. It, it, exactly. It was really, like, AIM and MySpace, but you did this brilliant thing where, like, you became a pretty known photographer in that scene of bands. Oh, yeah and like started getting work of doing promos for magazines and stuff like that. Like, were you still in Wisconsin at that time? Yeah. Okay. Tell me about, (laughs) (laughs) they're
1: just still staring at each other. Like, okay, Andrew, no, what's the question? (laughs) So yeah,
0: like, okay. So clearly by that time you're like, okay, I'm getting paid to do these magazine shoots. I'm out here seeing more of the world. Like what was it like to start? Like that to me seems like it's where it became like a professional career. Yeah, where was that point of it becoming a professional career?
1: It's really hard for me to talk about this process without talking about depression. Am I allowed to talk about? It? I don't know,
0: dude. Please, like, I don't want to like dig up like sadness, but I think that like I'm all about people hearing about that and like being okay. honest about it.
1: Well, it's weird. Like, I, as I'm thinking about talking about, it, I'm like, why do I like to talk about this? And I think that's just because it's important for who I am today. So that's why I talk about it. But so what? It, what my day was like was I like toured, and then I would come home. And I would have, I had a really rough time with relationships. With mm. I'm not talking like like my girlfriend, yeah, or who I was seeing, because um, uh, it was like I had a girlfriend and then a different girlfriend. But um, what it went like was like, come on room tour, and I was in Wisconsin now, and I was doing my work, and it be, I was I had like pretty severe depression. And I was working with a manager in Chicago. And it became like, I would basically like be so depressed that I would sleep or stay in my room. I lived in a basement. So I would stay in my basement for days or weeks at a time. And I would only get up when my manager would be like, hey, you got to go do the shoot. And I'd be like, okay, I'll go to the shoot. And I'd go back and be depressed and edit the photos. And that was really the only time I would leave was to go do these things. And so for it was really a big struggle for a while. And then, yeah. So I did that. And then I got to a tipping point where I eventually was like, you know, like a point where I was like, all right, this is pretty bad. (laughs) Like I've ended up being hospitalized and that really was like a moment where it was basically like a a new chapter or whatnot. So it was like, it was a
0: really long, yeah. Wait, so tell me about that though. So you had already established like a lane as far as a photographer, Mm -hmm. but even with that, you'd come home and just be in such a dark spot that like it was to the point of getting hospitalized.
1: Yeah. Well, it was like, what was it? I was like so sad that I didn't, my girlfriend left me and I just couldn't handle it. It was like crazy. I was like, you know, I happened multiple times. This is normal stuff breakup, but it was like pretty severe. Damn. And, um, so I did that. Yeah. I got hospitalized and I remember it cause it was Halloween of 2000, Halloween of 2007. I think it was seven, no, eight, 2008, I think cause I graduated. I don't remember 2009. Did I move here? Yeah, I think it was Halloween 2008. I was hospitalized and then gone to uh, like what's technically called like a mental institution or psych ward, whatever you want to call it. Then put in that. And I was basically in those those cares for like two, two, uh, two weeks Or I was hospitalized and then I actually got moved because I kept leaving the hospital. Huh. And I actually thought, I think that was pretty funny. I don't know if I've talked about that before, but it happened is I'm not proud of it, but I was like, a little bit of a troll. There's acute care. It was like basically you're on suicide watch at a hospital. Whoa. And they keep you in a room where you don't have your shoelaces, you don't have your cell phone, you don't have anything. Whoa. And what I did was actually have like a YouTube account I actually logged into and I started recording videos in there. <laughs> and um, But what I had done was I took like that this smoking area. You could go outside. And I took these like ballpoint pens and I stuck them in like the fence. There was a corner fence. And I stuck mm-hmm. them in the fence and made like a ladder and jumped the fence and left. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding <laughs> On me? On multiple occasions. And what I would do is I left and I was like, well, in my head, am i am like thinking, am I going to send like a search party? Am I going to go to jail? So what I did is I went to the McDonald's close by and I got two apple pies for a dollar because I love those. So good. And then I went back to the hospital, acute care, and I walked in the front door.
0: Oh my God.
1: And I did it twice and they like freaked out because it made them look really bad, I guess. Yeah. And I was like... I thought it was funny.
0: That's hilarious. But, but
1: then the repercussions were pretty severe because I'm a freaking idiot. But what happened was... Well, that was,
0: and if you're in watch like that, they're, you're probably, they're probably just really scared for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's like two sides. It's like a cute and whatever. So one side is like suicide watch. and The other side is like you get some privileges. And mm-hmm. I was in the privileges part. Then back back to suicide watch. And then uh, the second time I did it, they were like confused in how I got out. They didn't know. So they were like thought I was sneaking out the front door and they didn't notice. And I should have just left. I don't know why I went back. And so that night they put me in like uh like they got like, what happened? I ended up taking from the side with privileges to this. Is this okay to talk about? I don't know. Dude. Yeah. From the side with privileges to the side where we're on suicide watch, I took a fork with me, Whoa. which is a big deal. Yeah. And they came in there and they like tried to take the fork away and I like flipped out and they put me in one of those padded rooms.
0: Oh my God, dude. You
1: like, that's like straight <laughs> out of a fucking movie. <laughs> I was like, an, I was an idiot, but I went to one of those padded rooms and I had like, you're just in like a gown, you know, and then you have somebody watching you and I was so sad. And I remember the guy who was watching me, felt so bad for me. He printed out a bunch of, he you knew I like Mitch Hedberg, and he printed out oh. like two pages of Mitch Hedberg jokes. And I read them, and I was like, well, this is cool. Yeah. Anyway, the next day, my parents came, and my parents were kind of scared because then they moved me to what's called Mendota. And Mendota is like the psych ward. Oh. So they couldn't, they said they couldn't take care of me there, mm. and they couldn't let me go. So they had to move me to Mendota. And that's when I, I got like handcuffed, put in a cop car, taken to Mendota. Jesus, dude. And then Mendota is like, the real shit. And I continued to fuck with them there. I don't know what I was thinking until I, so like what I did, is this okay?
0: Yeah, it's fine. Okay. It's like, I like, i like, it's, I'm so glad this is in the past. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> like, I like, do you need a hug? Are you good? But like, no, no, it's fine. I love like knowing the person that you are now. And yeah. like, I like, we've, become pretty close friends and like I, I think that you've dealt with it so well and like it's such a, a crazy cool thing to hear you overcome and like
1: oh it's not that big of a deal i think i was just being foolish
0: well yeah but like i didn't realize that like the breakup and like the, the like it ran it got that real
1: yeah yeah and if my girlfriend hears this she's gonna be like god damn it, adam uh, my girlfriend at the time but anyway um she uh no so i went to this place like handcuffed and like this place is a place where like I was the most with it person there. Oh, okay. And I would even go as far to say like some of the staff was less with it than me. Well. But um they were talking like people, like there was this one old guy who'd walk around and he would just scream and uh like shoot you with a shotgun, a fake shotgun. Okay. And there was like people there was like this one dude who there's like a lot of bipolar people in there, people who would like go to the bathroom in their pants. Like like I'm not hating on these people. Like they yeah. need to be there. But I'm telling you, like these like this is people who like on multiple occasions, I would see people get like tackled and injected with shots Jesus to like settle Christ. them down. Like, and it's like a prison. Like, you have a little hole where they come and look at you in your room, and in your room is just like a hard bed, a blanket, and then you get like a few meals a day, and you have to take your medicine every day. Wait, so,
0: so did you like? There had to have been a point. And I'm finished telling your story, but like there had to have been a point where you're like, "Yo, this isn't me. I don't belong here." Well, like,
1: like I was so sad. Yeah, and I did have that point, and that point was when my dad came and he went, Adam. You're in the system now. You're in the government system. You don't want to be in the system because these systems are made to work for some people, but they don't work for most people. Mm-hmm. My dad was really scared. My dad's not from this country. Like that's a big deal to him. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you're right. I think I was there for over a week, mm-hmm. and it was weird. Like there came a realization where it's like they're not really made to get you better, mm. which was weird to me. They had like group counsel and they had people talk to you, but they were just like volunteers. Like my volunteer was like a girl from the women's volleyball team at the, at the UW. And oh, I was like, what is this? So yeah. they're not there to make you get better. They're just ma- there to make sure you survive. Whoa. So they medicate you. And I remember sleeping in my room. I did some other stuff to mess with them, but like, it's kind of embarrassing. So I don't know if we'll go into that, but I, uh, basically, uh, after a week or something, I got out cause I took or a week and a half. It seemed like forever. Yeah. But I took my medicine, I got out, and then I was on probation. So I had to not do any drugs or alcohol for a year, and I had to take my medicine for a year. And if I broke it, I would go right back.
0: Yeah. And so after that year, I left Wisconsin. Damn. So (laughs) that was enough where, like, your dad and, like, just seeing that, like, it was like, yeah, I'm depressed about this, but like, this is not the fucking. Yeah, way. I was
1: like, okay, I really did fuck. I like pushed, like you know, like I love to push people to the limit. Yeah, this was too far. Yeah, I pushed myself too far, and like I remember, like my friends came and visited me, and I was just like, all right, it's kind of like I'm in jail, but like, yeah, if it was weird,
0: it was enough of a reality check to be like, I need to go. Which maybe that was their,
1: like, maybe that was their goal. Maybe. But like, I think their goal was just to keep me alive, and also it's Wisconsin, so it's like in the grand scheme of things, like there's a lot of people there who are quite been in Wisconsin their whole life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They don't know anything else. So, okay. So you get out of that Mm. and then like, was that enough for you to be like, you know what? I have this life. I'm good at photography. I'm doing something cool. Like I just saw what it was like to be this fucking depressed. Like I need to go do something else. Like I remember the car ride
1: home. I was like, wow, <laughs> just looking at the sun, I was stoked. Cause like the Mendota is on a lake. There's two yeah. lakes in Madison and I'm not kidding. Like you look across the lake and you can see like basically where I live. Wow. So like I could like see my house. <laughs> I was like, God damn it. So I get out and yeah, uh, I left Madison because, um, well, like what triggered it was like, uh, another girl. Like I, girls, You problems, gotta stop falling in love, my dude, guy. Dude, I fall in love too easy. <laughs> or fall in love too hard. You know, go hard with it. But, uh, there's this girl I really liked. We hung out and then she ended up not liking me as much, uh-huh. which everybody knows is heartbreaking. And I was like, yeah, screw this, I'm out. So I was originally going to go to, um, California to just visit my sister. Uh-huh. And then on like a whim, I got this job where this dude flew me to St. Louis to train him in, in photography for two days. Yeah. Pay me like, $1,200, which is more than I had ever made on anything. And I used that money to then move to California. And I just had like a golf case size, like two, ca- I could fly with everything I owned. Wow. You know, so I just flew yeah. to California. Yeah. I lived on my sister's floor for a month.
0: Where in California?
1: San Diego. Okay. La Jolla. Nice. Lived on my sister for a month and then, yeah, from there I just kept touring. That's
0: crazy. So by like did you did people know like did the touring community know that you were fucking deep in the fucking wisconsin system or was it just kind of like oh adam's off the grid for i guess you said it's only a couple weeks like it's not like you were gone
1: yeah i mean i had visual scars on myself from like being suicidal and shit so i guess people would pick up on that and be like okay Uh he kind of like did some shit you know pretty fresh things so people would see that and be like all right but like most of the time like I wasn't super open about it. Right. They just knew that I was having like troubled times. So. Okay. um, On the road I would get. Yeah.
0: Continue. Well, well, no. So like, just like you continue, your career stayed going. Like that was a very real speed bump or setback or like life check moment. But it's not like that took jobs away or you had to like. I mean, it could
1: have. I don't know. Realistically. I mean, even if I was like. Let's say like I was performing at hundred percent was great. I don't know if it would have been 200% if I was going even harder.
0: Right. But I'm saying like yeah. when you got out, like moving to California, like it was pretty easy. Like you got back on tour and like you kept doing your thing. Yeah. But it's different back then. Nobody else was doing it. Uh, it didn't matter.
1: There was no other choice. You were like the dude. <laughs> yeah. There was nobody else to do it in that world. It was a, a band, few people. Yeah. If a band wanted age. a
0: photographer, it was just like, it was oh. just me. Yeah. Well, there was a few other people, but like they didn't cracked it yet. Tell me like that year, like what, what's that time frame? What What are the bands that you're touring with? What year? When I moved? Yeah, like, coming to California, you're the only dude. You're going Pierce out Pierce the Veil,
1: team. A Dater Remember, All Time Low. Um, that's who I was with. And then it, like, I remember when I started with Asking El Zadger of Mice and Men, like, other bands, and I was like, wow, I'm so far into my career starting with these. And realistically, that was, like, 2011, wow. which now is seven years ago. But the time frame from, like, 2007 to 2011 yeah. seemed, like, longer than the past seven years have seemed Whatsoever, just relatively. So like those years, like those were long years. Like it was crazy. Like I remember thinking, like, why would I start a relationship with another artist? I've been with this artist for two years. Yeah. And now it's like, well, I've been with artist. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, so, okay. I think, All right. Uh,
1: yeah. Who else? Envy on the coast.
0: And like another thing that I find interesting is like obviously like Instagram wasn't around. So like these artists that are bringing you out were honestly forward thinking to bring somebody out to get content on tours. So like, what were they doing with the photos and like, how were, how was your work getting spread?
1: Yeah. So there was like a progression. So when I would originally go out with people, I don't think I had a real job because they weren't really paying me. Yeah. I was just going on tour Yeah, and like not losing money. Maybe I was losing money, but I was just taking photos of things that happened. Yeah. Sometimes I would just do live photos and press photos when we could, then eventually it evolved, evolved into lifestyle photos with the data member in 2010. But basically I would come out. I think we're giving the bands too much credit to say they're forward thinking. Because <laughs> I don't, I think they were, but like Instagram wasn't around yet. So there wasn't a real, that sounds like a slide at them. I didn't mean it to sound like that at all. I was just thinking like, it wasn't like, I think it just aligned with what we thought of like a rock star. Like oh. what we, you know what I mean? Like. Famous bands have photographers with them.
0: It wasn't like you had a master plan. You were just like, well, this is what famous bands
1: do. Yeah, I think that that's what we're doing. We're just emulating what we knew, what we wanted to be.
0: But like, were you're posting these photos on MySpace?
1: No, what I would do is I would go on tour and I would just take photos and then I would give them to publication. I would do photo shoots for these bands for publications on the road. That's mostly what we did. Oh, okay. So it was getting published. published. It was going to magazines. I would shoot for magazines. I would just hit up magazines. Oops, my bad. I should hit up magazines and shoot for them. And then the first time I went to Europe with a data member was when Instagram still wasn't around. It's was just MySpace. Nobody posted like photos in MySpace. This is what I'm doing. But it was Alex, the drummer of that band, who like every night in my bunk, he'd be like, let me get the photos from today. i would be like, dude, just wait till I get home. Yeah. Cause that was a normal thing to shoot the whole tour, go home, edit them all, make a big blog, Unreal. and then release it and then send them. But now, then once Instagram came around, like when I started Instagram, people weren't crediting photographers, right? Like that was like, like I often try to tell people, they're like, how did you get a big following on Instagram? And it's because when I started doing it, it wasn't a known thing to have credit. So now you see it and you're like, okay, that's who took it. I don't really, but back then it was like, whoa, somebody took this photo that wasn't the person, like it was developing. So it was like, I was the only one getting credited and it was a big deal. Now it's like a little everybody has it, so it's not as big of a deal. Whoa. But it wasn't a you weren't you didn't get photographers didn't get credit back then.
0: So And why was it that you were getting credit? Were you asking for it or was it just yeah. the bands were showing you love? Because they weren't paying me. Oh so I was like, you have to credit me
1: and you have to let me sell prints and you have to promote it. So I had like deals with them. Basically the deal was like, okay, so let's say I go and tour with a band. And I sell prints and then when I reach a certain cap of money, then I start giving money back to the band. Oh, cool! So I was like, you can't pay me, but this is how much I want to make. Can I make that much off prints? And I never actually gave any money to them, not because I lied to them, but just because they didn't really care. And I never really reached those caps, Mm. but it was just like a trans. It was like a thing. So like theoretically they generated my position with their clout.
0: That's a really smart solution that you came up with. Well, thank you. I don't know if smart, it's
1: just necessary. I want to be on tour, you know?
0: That's so, like, I, I don't know, that, like, what you just said there, like, I love how you said that, because it, it it kind of, your line of thought is just so, well, yeah, I want to do this. So it's not like you had some master plan, you're just like, well, this is what I do if I want to keep doing this.
1: Yeah. And if anybody ever wants to feel better about themselves, all you have to do is spend like an hour talking to Andrew. <laughs> because he'll pick anything and be like yeah and that's what i love about you yeah and it just like spice people up and it's like andrew you're gonna like throw me into a wall here with all this positivity i'm like yeah
0: man i'm ready to take over the world i'm really about ripping up the boys that's that's the vibe and i've you've also been sipping on that coffee so i have not drank this since we i have not drank this since we started you're halfway through it though you said you were only gonna drink a quarter for the listener, he's taking a sip of coffee. Yeah, how was it? More watery than earlier. The, the ice, ice really sneaks in there. The ice it melts. It does. Okay, well that's that's cool, and I will continue to gas you up on that because no one knew what the fuck to do with Instagram, and like the fact, like maybe it was just you doing what you felt was right, but like that is pretty cool that your solution was so viable and was so the wave and what it then became. Mm. So mm, So I'm just listening. Sorry. That's going to be like, yeah. Okay. Because mm. like not only were you touring, you were also still getting hired to do press shoots for other bands, right? Mm, yeah. And is that like you're just out in California, like how are you paying rent? Cuz you moved out of your sister's house like a month after you said? I didn't have any money. I remember yeah. like I always remember this thing where I like moved out
1: I'm pay rent because I moved out of my sister's house after 30 days and I moved in with these two guys. One of them's name was Abalonium and the other guy's name was, he had a nickname he made up, but we called the other guy Apple. Hmm. And, um, they were not very, uh, they weren't very well off. they were pretty poor. And, um, so we lived in a two bedroom apartment, but Apple lived in our, uh, living room Hmm. So I think our rent total was like twelve hundred, so we each paid Uh, four or three or something. Apple paid less, and I just had a room and I was never home, but I had a room to keep all my stuff safe. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up moving. Actually, ended up having to get us evicted. I think I told you that. You you did tell me that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had to get. I wanted to move out, and they wouldn't let me because they told me that they were going to move a homeless person, one of their homeless friends, in with his dog. Yeah, you're like you're not kidding. Like he actually was homeless. Yeah, and yeah, we were yeah. going to be his home. We was going to have two people living in our living room. And, like, it's not a big living room. It's, like, a normal-sized living room in California, not that big. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. So I went to my rental place. This is the first time I ever rented something in my life. And I was like, I talked to my sister. I was like, how are we going to get out of here? She's like, I think you have to get yourself evicted. I was like, okay, because they wouldn't sign the thing to let me off the lease. So I got myself evicted. I lost, like, whatever money, first and last month's rent. Yeah. And I moved all my stuff out during the day and then proceeded to get death threats from a not Apple, but the other guy who I forget his name. Great. And I was like, what is well, going on?
0: Okay. But you're like, I guess just enough of you were taking press shoots and you were touring and you were selling prints and like you kind of, I didn't sell prints for like another two years or so.
1: Okay. But yeah, yeah, I was touring, making money off photo shoots, mostly hmm. a couple hundred dollars, whatever, alternative press shoots, press photos for bands. I would say average a couple hundred dollars to a couple thousand, depending on what it was and how long it took. And stuff and it was enough to pay the bills and enough to live. Mm-hmm. But like when I first moved there, like I was taking the trolley to the grocery store and buying like food and I just did not have enough money at all. I never got help. I actually don't like I'm so I don't know how I didn't worry and go crazy. But I remember going to like the fair with my friend Jesse. Jesse has to live in LA now. He's a musician. He's in one of my favorite bands. And he took me to the fair with him and his girlfriend. I just didn't have money.
0: I like couldn't do anything. But here's the interesting thing is like, to me, at least like I remember the broke days, but at least I was like, always like, it's not going to be like this forever. Like I was like, I can make it through this. I can make it through this. But for you, as you explain the story, you're just kind of like very matter of fact of the fact of like, well, yeah, I didn't have money, but like, I just kept doing this. Like, did you even care about getting to it? Or it seems like you were just down for the ride. I hope that doesn't sound shitty. I don't think it sounds shitty. I know your
1: intentions. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't really know. I forget a lot of stuff. Um, I just was so in the moment. Yeah. There was just no other way. I just as you could say like it wasn't like like now I sit down and make plans for things because I'm a little bit more collected and I have like a little more options. Mm-hmm. So like I can be like A, B or C and each one has pros and cons. Back then it's like, well, you either go homeless or you work. Yeah. And that's the only option. Yeah. And when I was at that age, like I just could work constantly
0: because I didn't have anything else in life. Isn't that fucking funny though? Like you got so much of your success in like the beginning of your career from what you're explaining of just like there's nothing else to do. So like go do it and go work.
1: Yeah, yeah I would travel for like, I would piggy piggyback tours for months where I would just hop from tour to tour. And I remember looking at the gear I was taking I was a psycho like I remember I had to golf like if you don't shoot or don't know photography like I had a thing that was the size of like a golf bag Mm -hmm. on wheels and then another thing the size of a a suitcase that's too big to be carry on Mm -hmm. that was a Pelican so it's heavy Mm -hmm. and then a battery pack a lithium battery pack that was the size of like a medium sized purse. That I would carry with me too, and a backpack. So I would go around with those things and I would take like public transportation on the East Coast. And I just remember people must think I'm a psycho. So I had like snake bites, basketball shorts, van slip-ons, and a cutoff tee and long hair. And I was just like just doing it. Like I just remember mobbing like that, and I didn't take showers, I didn't change clothes.
0: Um, and yeah. For the listener, I just have my mouth open <laughs> in awe right now. Yeah. It's painting this picture. But that's, that's fucking crazy. So you'd travel with like full light setups. Like you'd go like I full. A, I don't know what
1: I was doing. Yeah, I had Palsy Buff. I had Alien B.
0: That's Stuff, crazy. But know. I remember, like I remember back in those days. like I, Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> like you, uh, like you just, your photos were very unique because there was like this very professional photo shoot type feel like where there was lighting and all that. No one just else was doing Just stop down that. light.
1: Just stop down for Ambient and, you know, two stops above for subject or one, you know, properly exposed for subject. Of course. It was like a wannabe Dave Hill. Like I want to be Dave Hill so bad. He was so good. He still is very good, very talented. But like, you know, it was like a cheap man's Dave Hill. Like I did what for the magazine, what they couldn't afford.
0: Damn. So. But again, it's not like you were strategic about that. It was just, you were inspired by him and that's what you wanted to do. And that's th- all I could do. Was one tree. Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, You get to a point like you keep doing this, you keep touring, you're kind of the only photographer, you're building an Instagram following, not really knowing the empire that you're building or anything like that. You're just doing it. You're touring. Um, You made lens bracelets (laughs) and that shit's crazy to me. Yeah. How Uh, come? Because I, was that just another Adam idea that wasn't thought out that ended up blowing up? Yeah. Cause that shit was crazy.
1: I've gotten lucky. I think. But I've had a lot of failures, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, after that, I got pretty lucky early on. And then a lot of (laughs) swings and misses, not failures, just, okay, that's probably not going to work so well.
0: But you'd say you had a streak of luck starting
1: things off. Yeah. I mean, I tried a lot of things that didn't work. Like I did I mean, I did a DVD before that. I did like online presets. Yeah. Like I did a DVD in my mom's basement. I did like all these things that like, just to make some money. Yeah. DVD made a lot of money. Well, for me, a lot of money. What
0: was the DVD of?
1: Editing, shooting, oh, like, photo oh. shoots. Oh, yeah. I think I was seventeen.
0: 18. Nice. That's brilliant. Um, and then you did what? Like, what was Bracelets, the idea?
1: Business card. Make a business card. And then I was on Warped Tour, I was selling it at a merch table for a nonprofit. I think for like ten dollars.
0: The lens bracelet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And the money meant so much to me back then. Like it still does, but. Um, obviously, like I've made a life that's a little bit more expensive because of, you know, I have an apartment, um, no car payment because, you know, I've never had any debt. So I was pretty proud yeah. of that. I was pretty stress-free. I never had any debt. But I would get like $10 payments on big cartel. And I'd be like, oh, my
0: God. Yeah.
1: I can eat tonight.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah because like that to me, like it's funny hearing the the story behind the scenes and how much of it was just like, I don't even want to say right place, right time, but you just like acting like out of, there's nothing else to do. So I'm just going to do this. Mm. And then the lens bracelet happens where it's just such like a genuine idea of like, yeah, I need to promote like a business card. Here's a cool way. And again, for the listener, like I remember it very well, but maybe, maybe not everyone is familiar, but like there was a certain trend and time where every motherfucker in the music scene was wearing those ren- those lens bracelets not lens bracelets but silicone bracelets well the silicone bra- bracelets yes that was very 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 deep i guess it wasn't everyone with the lens bracelets but it hit yeah it was like at least in my opinion like before
1: alibaba took over yeah
0: yes and that like that elevated your financial status yeah
1: it allowed me to make decisions i shouldn't have hilarious <laughs> It allowed me to do things that I otherwise couldn't have done because I didn't have the money. Like pretend that I have it. Well, have a girlfriend in Australia. Yes. Yeah. Like things like that. It's like, come on, dude, do stupid
0: trips and fly
1: around, whatever. Yeah. Like visit Australia to visit my girlfriend. Good, good choice, man.
0: But like, did your, like, did your perspective change? Like, did you have like a tailor where you like, whoa, like this is like kind of a, an entrepreneurial, uh, venture. Like, wow. Like I figured out something different to make money. Like, did that spark something? Or like what, like what yeah, I've happened? Tried, I've tried
1: other products since then. I had other products, like another photographer reached out to me to do a project that we were going to do together. never did it. He did it on his own eventually, but I helped him with like getting a factory in China to print, to do them at. Um, I think he made like custom lens caps. Um, yeah, I mean, it started me doing like trying to find other ways to make money. Yeah. Maybe we did prints after that because those I, were in 2010.
0: I guess like what I'm getting at is like yes you've had an extremely successful career in photography and like you've continued to get better and do that. But I think what I admire so much about you is not only the photography but like you've kind of looked at the business differently from others where like you made the lens bracelets and that hit and that gave you like a definite like financial stability. But then, and it's not even out of like a business side. It's like out of this thing of like almost you giving back, but like you've gone on to do workshops and you've yeah. gone on to figure out better ways to sell images and do things in a different way than just the standard photographer of getting paid, posting shit on Instagram, selling presets, whatever. And I'm just curious like where that came from because it went from adam out of necessity just fucking living touring whatever to like the adam that i talk to these days is fucking smart with that shit so like where did that click weed was it
1: (laughs) i'm like thinking i'm like when did i come up with these ideas i think like in california i would just like smoke a bunch of weed and just think You just like think about stuff like I don't think that like, granted, I don't think it came from weed. I think weed allowed me to get in these deep thoughts. Yeah. And like, (laughs) like, I'm sorry and like not trying to promote like drugs or something, but I'm just like smoked a lot of weed in 2010. Sat around and thought about lens bracelets. Like I dated this girl who had a lot of weed. Yeah. And I thought about him. And I was like, well, "That's a good idea. Let's just do it."
0: It's just funny to me because, like, I mean, I don't really care. Like, people of live your lives, like, I've had, I've lost some people to doing like very real drugs. Yeah, me I, too. Lost friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't advocate for weed is different than that, but like, I personally it am not on the human. Yeah, sure. And like, I personally am just like, I don't do any drugs. But it's funny yeah, this you do. podcast. You drink coffee. All right, fine. Caffeine. I mean, I know you
1: joke about it, but that is like. The only reason that you think that I'm kidding when I say that is because you have nothing else to compare it to, but I'm being serious. Coffee is a strong drug, man. That is altering. That is
0: strong. Yeah, I think so.
1: People just take. It's just normalized, but it is
0: strong, man. That's that is its own conversation, and I do think that like we won't go there. No, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> we can, like, we'll just rant and ramble forever, but, like, yeah. I guess I have to, I do have to give you a little bit there, like, where you're right, and it does have an effect on your body and your mind, and yes. if you stop drinking it, you will get headaches, so, yes, I do but get that. You, your mind can do these things. These just allow you to do it. Sure. I guess, the, what I was going to say about yeah. weed, though, is it's, it's just, it's literally funny that I personally don't care about drugs or any type of anything like that. Care for them. Care for them. But you're not the first person to be on the podcast where like, it'll be that answer where I'm like looking for some like magnum opus, like this, this, and this. Well, and then it's just this pause and It's like, I don't know, man, I guess I was just smoking a bunch of weed.
1: Well, I think that the thing is, is that when I was that young, I wasn't as not that young, but at that age, I wasn't very conscious with my thoughts. You know, I was just doing the next thing mm. when thought out. So the thing that weed or whatever it may be for you, meditation, yoga, running, these things allow you to get to a headspace, but you don't navigate to on your own. And then once you identify this headspace, you have a goal. So it kind of worked that way with me with depression. So I lived my whole life, not my whole life, I lived a lot of my life depressed until I was 19. Very, very depressed. And I remember my mom, I remember people being like, you don't have to live this way. Like, You don't have to be depressed. And I was like, what are they talking about? I don't understand. I'm just depressed. this I, They tell me I'm depressed, but I don't know what that means. And then I took the medicine that I was prescribed from when i got on probation and i realized what it meant to be happy and i had never understood that before i didn't understand what it felt like to be like happy and how most people lived yeah. and it clicked i was like whoa i can live like this like this is a thing i can target and do mm. i didn't understand that so i didn't have that like goal so i think when i say weed i really just mean like that helped me discover like oh you can sit down and just think about stuff really deeply and like kind of nav- like you can navigate these thoughts and go to places
0: yeah like you just kind of blew my mind like it was your it was like kind of the first time where you were not just being reactive and living like in the moment of life and just going through the motions but it was the first time where you had any amount of like being self-aware building any type of strategy or realizing that like you could control or navigate things and not just like randomly go with the flow and just do shit yeah is that
1: kind of it yeah that, that that makes sense Okay. So that's, you sound like somebody who's never smoked weed, dude.
0: All right. You cop, <laughs> I'm the cop. Um, but like, so yeah, so you went on to like kind of do a, a bunch of cool projects. Um, so the lens bracelets was a cool one to me. You, when did you start doing any type of like, what came first, the publications or the workshops, like your magazines or the workshops?
1: Well, I think teaching is a long, all of that stuff is like a long path. So I'll start somewhere else. Go. Yeah. Okay. So.
0: That's what I was looking for. Like the teaching. Yeah. Side. Like
1: workshops. I started teaching as soon as I started doing photo shoots when I was 17. Well, Because I had two assistants for me who were older than me. They mm-hmm. were like 23 and 24, I want to say. And they were, it was really helpful because I didn't have skills. I couldn't drive well. Mm-hmm. I, was, I had such bad anxiety that I couldn't drive for like 60 miles or I couldn't drive from Well, yeah, like an hour drive was too like palm sweaty, freak out, like turning red. I couldn't do it. So I had these older and I couldn't rent cars. So these older guys assist me and they would help me out. They would like set up everything for me and drive and stuff. And I would just teach them photography. Whoa. I would help them so they could do their stuff. So that was when I started teaching and I started fell, fell in love with it. And since then, I would always get assistants to assist me who had no idea what was going on. Like, you've assisted me. Oh, yeah. And I would always get people like you or anybody who's just like, I just want to learn about it. And I'm like, all right, sweet, come. It's really easy. Yeah. Just tell them what to do and they do it and yeah. it's fun. And then that's where I kind of started teaching. I did my first workshop in San Diego in 2010 or nine. Mm-hmm. Like the first year I moved here. Holy shit. At a, at a hotel. I did a workshop, like a two day workshop there. And then I did, um, I also went back to like my, the college I went to for a semester. I spoke at a class there. Mm-hmm. And then I did stuff at my high school. And I do stuff at my high school like every year. But that's like the teaching. And then the publication, it's more just a continuation of a blog, in my opinion. Like I did the blog and then I wanted to make a book. And I made a book for a day to remember. There's only four copies just for fun. 2010 and they never really bought into that. They've always wanted to do a book, but they've never really put the time towards it, but I want to do it so I print my own books in mm-hmm. the magazines, books, magazines. Yeah. That's the quick of it.
0: That's cool.
1: Thanks, dude. You're <laughs> cool.
0: You're Hey man, you're cool. Thanks. Tell me more. What's up?
1: That's all. Oh, you want um, more you want more back paths?
0: No, I wanted you to tell me I was cool more.
1: Oh, you're cool more.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Um <laughs> got to keep And my- like what? Are there any like, because I I don't want to glaze over like the crazy amount of artists that you've worked with. And like, I think that the way that you do work with artists and like what you see, maybe the fact that you do have more of a press shot uh, background Mm -hmm. and lifestyle came after. But like, I always tell you this, like the way that I see the photos that you take like you look at people and settings and things differently and like your eye for editing and like, do you have any of like your photography career that stands out as highlights of like artists that you've worked with or work that you're proud of? Or like, did you get like, when did you get to a spot where you're like, this is fucking cool. I'm creating art.
1: When I started using like flashes on stage oh, and I was like actually able to control the live setting. Whoa! When I would like shoot the remote once. That was cool. I was stoked on that. I like super, like if, if I could shoot this like silhouettes for the rest of my life, I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I like that was cool. There's been a lot of different level up moments. Hmm. It's pretty much, I know that as soon as I love it, then, you know, you're going to hate it pretty soon after that. Oh, really? I don't know if it's like an actual love or hate or just a drive to get better, but it's been a while since it's hard and as you do it more and more, it's harder and harder. And it's like harder to come to terms. It's like, I wish the photos I took in 2009 were actually good. I like, look like these other photographers that I saw today, like showing me their work from when they were 20. I was like, how are you so good (laughs) at 20? And now you're 50
0: and you're amazing. It's like, God,
1: why wasn't, I wish I was that good when I was younger.
0: (laughs) But don't you just feel like that's you being hard on yourself? Like if I were to look at some of those photos back in the day, I'd probably be like, dude, this is fire. I
1: would just, I would think that you're wrong or lying.
0: Well, yeah, but you're the most humble person I know. Fuck you, I'm the best. Yeah, fuck you. Um,
1: I'll show you how humble I can't be.
0: Well, you you started, okay, so you, you did flash on stage, which is crazy. I didn't realize that was such a level up moment, but that makes a lot of sense because that is crazy. Hmm. Um, you toured... Like you stayed touring for a while, but then I think we became like, we became pretty close friends when I moved to San Diego mm. and I like, I don't know, like I just learned so much more about you. Like, I guess in part of this episode, like I just kind of want to touch on more than just Adam as a photographer mm. because. So mm, is this going to get to talk about magic cards? Honestly, I'd love to. Yeah. And All that's right. kind of what I was going to get at is like, there's this whole act career. Like two, I don't Magic. Wanna, yeah. Like honestly, act ah. two is like hilarious. Anybody that quickly, if they don't know you, they can quickly Google your name and see some of your work and the artists you've worked with. If they do know you, they're probably familiar with it. And I don't want to glaze over that. But, like, it's just fucking crazy to me to, like, hear about this kid that was, like, legitimately fucking depressed in Wisconsin and, like, went through some shit. Hey, man, he can hear you. <laughs> Where is he again? Is that, oh, that's him. Oh, okay. um, to then, like, touring, finding your lane, doing all this stuff and like finding success but like the, the atom that I know it's like dude you went through some bullshit and like you you almost had this life where you didn't know that better existed and like you were just kind of doing what you do to now the person that I'm friends with like there's so much more to you than just photography and like it almost seems like you've casually mastered that where you're like yeah cool it's this thing I do and I look at it I'm like that's fucking crazy but like there is more of this person that does more than just photography. And like you did grow up and like you figured out so many ways to deal with depression. And like, I know we've even talked about like even anger management and things like where before you were like a much angrier person. So now the Adam oh, that yeah. I see. What did
1: I hear? This guy who says it, this, I don't know if it's my story to tell, but my friend tours with an artist yeah. as a lighting designer. And he told me that the artist told him, he's like, I'm so happy that you met me now in my life. And I feel that way. Like I'm happy that you met me now in my life and not like, I don't know if I was a dick, but I just wasn't conscious of the way my actions affected other people as much. So yeah, that's being a dick. But to an extent, it's like my head is, like my brain is constant. Like I listened to Russell Brand talk yesterday. I really related on a moment to like when he talked about addiction and drugs and like I don't do hard drugs, but um, I understood what he talked about when he talks about, you know, He's always trying to find these ways to free his head from all the thoughts that are going through him. And he has to be careful not to fall in these traps. And I can't, I don't know what it's like to be somebody who's not me, but I can't tell you, like, with if I don't meditate, I don't meditate that often, but it helps a lot when I do. Like, my head is, like, constantly thinking, like, crazy. Like, it doesn't stop. It doesn't slow down. It doesn't go away. Like... Unless I go to the gym and do these things, like it just nonstop going. Yeah. Like, and while I'm talking to somebody, I have to really focus on listening to them because it's so hard. And yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, other than saying like it's taken me a really long time just to be able to hear other people.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I just like because my perspective of you, the friend that I have, mm. it's like I'm Sorry. so aware. Mm. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm so aware that like you've been through some shit and whatever and all that, but it's like the, the friend that I have and the Adam that I see you as is like, I think you've done an incredible job dealing with it and leveling up as a person and like overcoming all of that. And I just like, I, I think about people who maybe are still dealing with it or, I mean, not to say that you're not still dealing with it, but it's like, I look at that as very impressive the fact that you,
1: this is, this is the, this is what I'm talking about. You want to feel good about yourself. Just hang out with cram. I'm here to gas you up. Yeah. Gas somebody up is not a good term.
0: Really? Yeah. Why? Gas. Yeah. It's like, like, when is gas a positive thing? I literally, I just think it's the term. It's just gas them up. You know, I get it. But what is fire them up? That's better. Fire is positive. Keeps you warm. Well, gas leads to fire.
1: Gas leads to you're okay. thinking of farts. I'm thinking of like blowing shit up. I'm thinking of like things that smell bad. I'm thinking of things that you don't want to inhale too much of.
0: Nah, you, you have a, a Gas bias. is the fuel to the
1: fire. Then why not just use the final outcome? You can't have gas and
0: not fire and it be positive. No, because I, you're just looking at gas wrong. I was afraid of propane. I still, I don't trust it, but. What about I, propane accessories? Propane and propane accessories? Damn it, Adam. <laughs> uh, no, but like, so you're gassing them up, right? It's, it's the fuel to the fire. It's the, it's what's cooking. Now we're cooking with gas. That's yeah. a saying. All right. Well, I'm going to call you up. All right, man. coal me up. I Fine. mean, by
1: your definition, that should be a term we use.
0: Well, that's great. I because feel it's good. Something
1: that creates fire.
0: I feel good that you've called me up.
1: Actually, anything then would be substitute for gas.
0: Dealer's choice. Let's go. I appreciate you calling me up. Now I just said colon all right where were we where are we where are we now what have you done
1: oh look what you've
0: done look what no okay so i guess just like that's i'm very curious about that adam and like the fact that you that you you're so much more than just your profession now and you've clearly gone through some bullshit but you have a very high functioning life and (laughs) you it comes in
1: waves (laughs) All of that. There's a song that "Bring Me the Horizon" song, "Drown." Like it comes in waves. Close my eyes. Like I don't think I've ever related to a song more. It's like, yeah, it does come in waves. <sighs> like sometimes it's nice. Like the more better routines you get, then your waves kind of like, you know, the difference between the top point and the bottom point. Hopefully mellows out a little bit, and you can get some control. But man, sometimes that high and low I feel like they often mirror each other. That's deep. Yeah, like waves, like ocean.
0: Yeah, uh, bro, like waves. high tide. What would your advice be for anybody like if if you could talk to like a young you or like you know, like go to the gym.
1: Go to the gym. Go to the gym. Like don't like stop. Like I know everybody focuses on mental like I'm not trying to trash this. Like yeah, it's good to focus on mental health. I get it. Like it's a good current thing. I'm happy that people are talking about it more. But like I think that we're quick to assume that, uh, I don't know, like even me saying go to the gym, like it would be, I think it's too quick to assume that what works for me works for everybody else. It's Mm going to talk about what works for me. I just think you need to do stuff that makes you feel good Mm -hmm. and isn't detrimental, like key, like good and disciplined, not like easy. Like the easy way isn't probably not the right way because there's a reason it's easy. So, you know, just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean it's the right thing. But um, yeah, it doesn't always necessarily mean being happy. Like, I don't know. Sometimes good things come from not being happy. Like I think happy is a good goal, but like sometimes all the stuff that's worth it, you got to go through a lot of not being happy, a lot of being uncomfortable, a lot of doing, you know, things that you're well-disciplined in. That's when I think, I don't know. I like that a lot. Stop being happy.
0: Work harder. (laughs) I don't know. No, that's cool. That's really cool. And outside of just photography, like you said it as a joke, like magic, but like I actually am super down to talk about that for a second because I find it crazy. Magic gathering? Yes. Changed my life. Yeah. Like straight up. Like we played. Not an exaggeration. It actually allowed me to live. Dude, tell me like, because like, I remember being like, that was kind of one of the first things of our friendship where it was like, Oh yeah. cool. Like we were both kind of in a music lane, but here's something completely outside of it that we love. And you played a lot more casually, but like you've gotten fucking good. And like, I know it's something that you truly we him, love. We got them tricked boys.
1: Um, no, uh, magic, the gathering for those of you who don't know what magic, the gathering is you're lucky. <laughs> no magic is like a quick, quick scenarios. It's like, it's like being a chess player and a poker player at once but every three months you have to memorize about 300 cards. So basically magic. I played magic when I was a kid, we all did. And I stopped for like 10 years. I started again in 2015 and I probably play like when I say play, I mostly mean practice. It's a fun thing, but like it's an intentional thing. It's like doing homework every day. Do like probably three hours a day at least with the, like of some kind of magic related activity. And it's all about thinking. And thinking about situations and all the different ways you can think of them, analyzing them. And I never really thought that people thought about stuff that deeply. So it changed my life and allowed me to be a better thinker, better at working with people, better at losing. You know what I mean? Like being okay with losing. And the thing about magic is you can only get better at it if you understand how wrong you are most of the time. And it helped me be so much better at life because it's like, I mean, just... Unless you're some genius, you're probably wrong at least half the time hmm. without things you think, unless you just aren't thinking about anything. So in magic, you're wrong most of the time until you get really good. And then you're, you have to just pretend you're right. But sometimes you're probably wrong.
0: That's the and poker element.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, man, it's such a good game for learning. And it really changed, changed me as a human. And I have a really good community through there that I didn't have before. So my main uh, incentive for learning magic was that I read something about like, you know, there's people who are really good at one thing, like 150% do photography, 150%, you know, maybe the Albert Einstein's is the most like widely known person. They just do this one thing and they're freaking good at it. Yeah. It's great you know, we get geniuses out of that. We need those people. We need those people to discover things for the better of humanity, but it comes at a sacrifice, right? Like if you lose that one thing, like I'm doing photography, like that's all I do. If you get rid of photography, I have nothing. Mm. So my concept was like, I just need like five things. Like I want to be a good photographer, but I want to be a good brother. I want to be a good son. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good magic player. I want to be a good, you know, business owner i want to be all these other things and then if something goes away Mm -hmm. you have these resources to kind of pick you back up Mm. so you can't really fall you know like if you're 80 percent good at five things you can't really fall too far Mm. that's not possible well you can but it takes a little bit more effort if you're just good at one thing when it goes away you're pretty low like it's pretty detrimental to your life so i think that that's like the concept i like about magic is it's given me these people like the downside of like Obviously, I've experienced this on a very small scale, but it's still relevant. It's like when you're good at something or people want something from you, like sometimes you meet people and you have not genuine interactions, right? Like they're interacting with you for ulterior motives, which is kind of confusing for me who doesn't really act that way. So I don't really see it in other people. So it kind of comes out like, oh, I don't even know these things exist. How are they happening? Like you don't have a radar for it because you don't see that in other people. I don't see this negative. So the thing about magic is like, These people don't give a shit what I do, who I am or anything. They really just bring me back down to earth and I hang out with them and they're my normal friends and we're just nerds, you know, playing with cardboard for too long. And it's a really good environment to seek honesty and not somebody who's just, you know, trying to, I don't know what people want, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry about the rant.
0: No, I mean, I love that. And like, I feel like you touched on so many great points with it and it's fucking crazy to me because some people could play magic and be like, yeah, cool, man. Like I get it. You have to tap the land and get the person's life down to 20. And uh, I had fun with it for a couple months and then I was done. So like there's, you know, like I get it. Maybe I gotta enjoy can, it. Yeah. I guess. Maybe not everyone's going to see it like you do, but yeah. like what it represents to you and the fundamentals that it has showed you is fucking incredible.
1: Yeah. it's a good game.
0: That's so crazy. And I also like, I don't know, I very much do kind of get that side and like, I hope that I'm not. Andrew plays magic too. I do play magic and I'm, I wish that I, we had such a good thing going. Like we lived in San Diego and we were like neighbors and we'd go to the gym together and we'd play magic. And yeah, then I moved up to LA and. So Andrew moved to San Diego and
1: by chance moved to the exact same road I live on, like less than a mile, like half a mile from me and the magic store opened up on his block.
0: Good old Georgia Street, man. I miss it. (laughs) Yeah. Because we both moved away from Georgia Street. I still
1: have my lease. I still have two leases.
0: What? Yeah. Really? Well, because the person I live with still lives at the other place. Oh, and you just kept the lease going for them? That's funny. That's nice of you. Yeah. Damn. Well, they really, we got fucked up too when the bridge closed. That was an annoying thing for our friendship. That was an extra five minutes of trip commute. That's, that's too much of a tangent. We don't need to talk about the Georgia street bridge closing. The listener is going to be like, dude, like I, I humored your magic rant. I don't get it. I love how the whole podcast you interact with this almighty
1: ominous, the listener, the listener, just, who did you listen to that refers to
0: them as the listener on the podcast? That's Look, common with podcasts. That's what they say? Yeah. And to the listener? Think about it. Right now, it's just us, but like... The I don't lis- need to think about it. I understand 100% what you mean. The listener It's very
1: straightforward, yeah. but it doesn't make it any less funny.
0: As the listener is here with us right now in headphones, as they're listening back to this, we're here with the listener. So the listener...
1: Andrew, you don't have to explain it. I get it. Yeah. I'm reflecting on the fact of how funny it is.
0: Yeah, I'm doing it like I'm. I'm trying to hang out with the listener. When we're talking here in my head, the listener's chilling right there, just quiet. Like they're just like fly on the wall, and they're like, "All right, so this is uh, this is what you guys talk about, huh?" All
1: right, fair enough.
0: So you're yeah, this <laughs> I'm not is, hating on you. I was just reflecting on this you. is definitely the realest uh, episode so far. Of like, we covered your story and all that, but like for. The listener, I promise you, this is just a conversation with Adam and I. This is any other fucking day that you put us in a room together. This is what we're talking about.
1: So, yeah, if you thought that you were special, you're not. <laughs> I mean, it's it's special. If you thought uh, this was privileged, it wasn't.
0: If it, It's privileged in the sense of if, if you want to hear yeah. us banter, this is...
1: Welcome to two magic players talking.
0: You're here. Here we are. Um, but no, I, I, don't know. I don't want to ramble it too much. I think we really did cover your story. I mean, I hope I don't we ramble it too much. I mean, I don't it's a little late for that. Yeah. Like, fuck. But like, is there like, I, I, I don't want to glaze over the fact of how cool of a career you have had and like, you've been able to travel the world and work with like really fucking cool artists now. Um, but more so than just any artist I think what's cool is like you have made a brand and a name for yourself. You figured out a way to make a career out of a job that's very hard to live off of. Hmm. You've pushed boundaries of, you know, finding you've, you now you teach classes, right? Like you'll do these entire seminars where you'll rent venues and you'll teach kids. Like you'll have an entire empty venue and you'll have a class of 30 odd kids. Is it, I don't know how many kids is not kids. Kids, sorry, this is not a concert. People, why? Do kids, I, is, I,
1: kids is a term that people use to refer to anybody who's at a concert.
0: This yeah, why is that? Actually,
1: I don't know. It's just like a term, but it doesn't. That it's sucks. Not re, it's not referring to their age or their maturity or their amount of respect. Because I know kids is generally like a like a oh you're a kid. It's just a term for that group.
0: That's so funny. You're so right. when referring
1: to these people, though, it's students.
0: Students. People yeah. want to learn. Yeah. Want to get better. Yeah. So is it thirty odd students? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like a, it, from what I've seen, I haven't attended one yet, but, and I would love to honestly. Um, but it seems like a pretty cool group of like, you'll have an entire kind of like conference room and then you'll do like a venue where everyone has enough space to really get these shots. And like, you've done yeah. all of that. That's fun. D- like, did I miss anything in your career and in like the, everything you've done? Was there any like integral piece where I missed Is that the word? Integral?
1: Yeah. What's integral?
0: Maybe I'm just saying it different.
1: Am I saying it incorrectly?
0: I'm not sure. Hmm. I hope the listener can comment and let us know. Um,
1: I don't know. Like a lot of stuff we talked about, I don't remember. So if you don't have questions for me, then I don't have topic starters. Okay. Because it's kind of just...
0: Well, I guess then my last point is... Well, two. Um... One, what do you perfect world, what do you want to accomplish moving forward and in the future? Like what are some of the goals and like And that's okay. Career if you
1: wise, don't, life wise, what
0: Yeah. It can be the smallest or the biggest things. It could be you want a place in a magic tournament or it could be like, yo, I haven't thought about that yet. But like what are some future things that you see for yourself?
1: Yeah, I just want to um shoot some more personal projects, find things that I'm shooting because Like, I really enjoy them, like, emotionally. So maybe, like, I'm a little more connected with myself. And then magic. Yeah, I would like to compete at higher level tournaments and get better. And then just stuff like being healthier, cooking more, getting my neighbors evicted who have a barking dog, things like that.
0: (laughs) Are you saying that because there's a barking dog right now?
1: Yeah, but it just reminded me of it. Yeah. I think they're going to get evicted soon. Huh.
0: Yeah, I don't know what to do about that dog. It just does its thing.
1: I call my, uh, I got. I did get my neighbors evicted.
0: You're, you're out of hand, man, with the eviction.
1: I'm sorry. They have dogs that they don't take care of properly and leave them at home all day and they bark. And it's, I think, first and foremost, a terrible thing to do to a living animal.
0: Yeah, that's fucked up on the animal side.
1: And then in addition, it's quite selfish and, you know, not very kind to the people who live in that area. So it takes like the right kind of person to disregard so many people at once.
0: If this is not the most us thing in the world that you just dropped all of these life accomplishments, like where you're like, yo, I'm trying to like do like more artistic, more down my line of vision art. I'm trying to place in magic tournaments. And then somehow out of all of that, we start talking about the dog. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Dogs, man. It's not the dogs. That's the issue. It's the people that are
0: being irresponsible. We're still doing it. We're still talking about them. Well, it's interesting. Um, the other part that i did want to touch on especially because you had such a fucking turmoil like such like you went through some shit growing up and and mm. getting to where you're at now if you could go back to the atom that was in like the worst of it and give that atom advice from yourself now what would that be
1: i like this is going to sound like a joke but it's not i wish somebody would have taken me in high school, given me a coffee and said, drink this. And then I drink it. And then 10 minutes later, they would just be like, all right, how do you feel? I'd be like, I feel amazing. I'd be like, you can get to this point any day you want without coffee. This is what being happy is like. And I would have been like, whoa, I can just live like this? And like, yeah. And you know how your mind's racing? You can have it without that too. And I'd be like, whoa, really? Because I don't have coffee at all. and Yeah, that was, like, one of the... Yeah, I wish that I knew what it was like to be, like, happy, relaxed, and anxiety-free at, like, a younger age because I existed in a place where, like, all those things were happening so much that I just didn't know. So I just wish I had a goal sooner that I didn't know existed because it would help me a lot to aim for something rather than just, like, constantly just, like, moving around and wondering why, like, I go to a photo shoot and, like, my palms are sweating and I can't even talk or... You know, I get up in front of people and I just freeze. Like I didn't understand that I was anxiety, and I didn't understand that, like, why I couldn't sleep at night, or why, you know, I would just like, you know, want to cry in parking lots on tour, or I would just want to go home, or I couldn't talk. You know, like all these things, I just didn't understand it. I didn't know that no, not everybody felt this stuff. So I wish that I just knew that. And people can tell you as much as you want, but you don't just you don't understand it. It's just like really hard to understand when there's like nothing even comes close remotely close to feeling those ways it's really hard so i just wish that i had those moments earlier on in my life to uh i don't know to i think that's why i like video games so much you can just like zone out and really get into them and like all the thoughts stop yeah and everything else goes away (laughs) or going to the movies you know those are really easy ways to get there but they're not sustainable obviously you can't just be playing video games constantly while you do other things in life
0: totally so like just seeing a better life and seeing like the side where it wasn't just always that yeah Yeah. oh my god that'd be sick
1: (laughs) but i have it now so i'm not complaining like like i like to think about those funny things because they're fun to touch on but not for a moment would i ever be like i wish my life was different
0: right so yeah no that's cool man um i mean i feel like we did the damn thing we could ramble about anything for how long is that let me look we're at an hour 30, which is pretty much on spec. That's what That's I That's like. okay. Yeah. Did you know you told me you wanted to do two hours? No, I said one to two hours. So we oh, did well, exactly we're in the middle. It. We did it. Okay. And then we're going to have to factor in like two or three minutes for the intro, so. Okay. So we did it. We're done? We're done.
1: All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to me talking. That was Andrew Cram and Adam Mkayas. We appreciate your time. I uh, hope you have a good day. Remember to be a good... Uh, friend a good family member and a good employee for whatever you do in your life and you can change the world just by changing
0: yourself all right i love you damn fucking hit him with some positivity at the end tell him you love him i love him back yeah yeah just oh, love i do people. i my whole outro like i you know like I, oh that's not the outro well i love that you added that what about like a basic one like where can they find you on social media if they want to talk to you? <laughs> well funny story all my stuff is down right now
1: everything yeah well, my social media isn't, but yeah, I have, everything is my last name or my first and last name. So Adam L. Macias or L. Macias. if you Google it, they'll, I'm the only one. Okay. And, um, yeah, I sh- everything's shut down right now and my computer's broken. So.
0: Well, I hope that We're- by the time this episode <laughs> airs, that yeah. will be a thing of the past. Yeah. But you can find me on the
1: internet. I don't update as much anymore because I've been working on some things, but I'm hoping I can get back into it.
0: Maybe by the time the episode airs. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, again, thank you for coming on here. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me and thank you for uh, hitting them with that positivity. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for hitting the, the listener. I That's appreciate you. Yeah. Goodbye, listener. Later, the listener. I love you too. <laughs> Good job. So there you have it. Adam's episode. I hope you liked his little outro there. I felt like you did a great job. I don't think I need to say much more. I will follow up and say that everything is not broken anymore, and he is back online. Uh, he has a really, really cool website. Uh, it's just adamelmakias.com. You can see all of his work there. Um, you can find him on Instagram at just at elmakias. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really do think that that says it all. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I've been having an insanely good time doing these sitting down with people getting to tell their full stories learning these details that might get missed in typical conversation or on social media or whatever Uh, yeah just like really getting to tell these stories so thank you for listening thank you for telling your friends i will be back next week with another episode later